0: Today we're going to start a four-part series in Isaiah, and next week, like I said earlier, we have special guests. The music ministry team from Cornerstone Christian Academy will be here leading us in song, doing a few various presentations, including a skit, and poem, uh, based on the Lord's Prayer, and I hope you'll join us for that. I uh, will be presenting our second message in this series, and it'll be about how essentially prayer is stand, helps us stand firm in our faith. A lot of the Lord's Prayer, we talk about that, as well as what happens here in Isaiah, and uh, someone did not stand firm in their faith, and it, and it gets cleared up in chapter 7. But for today's message, we're actually starting not in Isaiah 1, but Isaiah 6, uh, six chapters in, and uh, Isaiah has this amazing experience. We just watched it play out there in the video, um, and it changes his whole life. And of course, he lives to tell the tale. He becomes the right prophet at the right time. Uh, there are stunning similarities, I found, to Jesus, who not only was and is the king and priest, but also the perfect prophet for all time. As we, ju- as we get further into this series, we'll learn about the righteous king. We kind of saw it illustrated there in the video. And, uh, and he's the one who rules with a sword of justice. He will see, we will see how God plans to direct his children back to him. But at the conclusion of today's message, it's my hope that we will have some active understanding of what has been done for our salvation and what our response should be. If you have your Bible, hope it's open to chapter six of Isaiah, starting at verse one. It reads, In the year... That king Uzziah died. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which was taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remain in the land... It will, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this passage right here, this one chapter, this experience, it's so key to understanding all the rest of the book of Isaiah it gives context to the judgment and woes that we read about later. It also hints at the saving plan that God has for his people, something Isaiah goes on to talk about much later on in the book as well. I truly believe Isaiah was the right prophet at the right time. There are a few characteristics of this right prophet I want to I want to uh, pull out for us today. The first one is that he was humble. He was humble. He lumped himself in with the sinful people of his land. He understood the frightening holiness he was allowed to perceive. Verse 5 Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. It might sound like he was a terrible choice to bring God's message. His uh, unclean lips, how could he? But actually, he was the right prophet at the right time because of this humility. I was thinking about today's application of something like this. And one example would be somebody who is recovering from drug or alcohol abuse, right? They're a long-term sober person. And part of maybe the program that helped them is to help others— who are new to it, avoid falling back in the same traps that led to the substance abuse in the first place. The person who is still struggling with substance abuse looks to that more senior person for help, advice, guidance. But most of all, catch this, and we'll develop it a little bit more later, the guide gives hope. Hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There can be peace and wholeness. There can be deliverance. There is victory over temptation. Isaiah declaring the uncleanness of his own lips, then referencing the people who have just as unclean lips as he does. He is bracing himself for judgment, for destruction, because of the filthy lips he and the people have. They are all equally guilty. But God doesn't leave Isaiah there. And that's good. (laughs) Isaiah was the right prophet for the right time, for his time, because he also experienced being cleansed. The coal from the bowl of sacrifice cleansed him. His sins were atoned for in this act. And what we see here is that God dealt with the guilt and sin in Isaiah. God dealt with the sin. So Isaiah was humble. He was cleansed. And another attribute for being the right prophet at the right time is that he was willing. Willing. When the call came to bring the word of the Lord to the people, even words of judgment and affliction, Isaiah responded, Here I am I. Send me. So that's Isaiah in a nutshell. And again, it sets up all of what, it's like it flavors the rest of the book that we understand a little bit better about all the different chapters and things that are happening in all 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. But I realized that Jesus shared similar experiences to what we see played out in Isaiah. Jesus was and is, of course, the perfect prophet for all time. And the starting qualification is that he was humble. Paul, writing to the Philippians about how they should treat one another, presented the example of Jesus to them. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8 reads, who, talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was humble and he was clean. Even though he entered into the human existence, scripture teaches and Christianity has always held true to the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life. It's at the core of His ability to save us from our own sins and condemnation. He did, however, submit to the cleansing ritual that developed of baptism. We see this played out in John chapter three, verse 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Unlike Isaiah, where the act represented the atonement made personally for his sin, Jesus' baptism was an opportunity for Jesus to show his obedience to his Father, to submit to this practice, this practice of baptism, of cleansing. Isaiah's vision of God and the angel touching his lips with the coal was to purify him solely for Isaiah. Only Isaiah needed to see and know this. No other witnesses are there. But the baptism of Jesus was witnessed by others. The very presence of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down And rested on him. A voice came from heaven announcing Jesus' sonship and God's pleasure and delight in his son. In the gospel, according to John, the author tells us that John the Baptist for sure was a firsthand witness to the spirit and heavenly voice. So Jesus was humble, clean, and he was willing. Paul's word to the Philippians that I read just a few moments ago speaks not only of Jesus' humility, but also his willingness. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was on board with God's plan to save the world, even if he had to suffer and die for it. So now we've compared the two. Isaiah, a bringer of God's word to God's people, And Jesus, the word of God for all people. And as a reflect on not just the information that we have before us, you know, what happened back in Isaiah's time, I want to look at this pattern that we see in this chapter, this pattern of transformation. I want to look at this chapter and highlight the glorious hope that it brings to us. You see, Isaiah recognized his sinful state. It reminds me of like, you've got to admit that you have a problem, right? If you've never recognized your sinful state, you've never admit that you have a problem, you've done anything wrong, you will will never need the solution, will you? You will never need the solution. You will never need forgiveness (laughs) because you don't acknowledge you need it. And until that time, if that is describing us, what's happening to our hearts? They're becoming hard and unchanging. In fact, that seems to be the theme of what happens to the people who hear Isaiah's message for the rest of this entire book. That's a little depressing, to be honest with you. Their hearts are hardened. They will not hear. Keep preaching anyway. The way of salvation was provided for. So we've got to admit our sinful sinful state and then salvation is is provided for and then in Isaiah's, and it's applied. Isaiah didn't quickly think up a five-step program on how to get rid of his sin. He recognized his sinfulness and then he was prepared to be destroyed because of it. And then God made a way for Isaiah to be cleansed Purified and get this prepared for what he would do next. So, admitting the sinful state, receiving the salvation provided for him, and then he was moved into action. What was the purpose of the atonement? Was it just to avoid destruction so so God could have a chit chat with him? His lips were purified. To prepare him to say yes when God activated him. God says, bring my message. Give these people the words they need, not necessarily the words they want. For us today, I wonder, are we recognizing things in our lives? Temptation, sin, The stray thought of how irritating a person might be or how much you don't like them and does that lead you down the brimrose path of complaining and then could could I even say hate them? Maybe it's worse. (laughs) Maybe you've done something and you've broken trust with somebody. Are you recognizing that, that bent towards sin that you still have in your life? Or maybe are you trusting God to empower you to say no at each and every turn? At each and every turn, are you trusting and asking and relying upon God to help you say no? Are we asking for forgiveness and the forgiveness of others when the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts of sin? Are we trusting in that ultimate sacrifice to atone for our sins? Jesus' death on the cross, his spilt blood. Today, I want to conclude our service, our sermon today, by sharing in the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper today. I'm reading out of the manual of the Church of the Nazarene. It says, the Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. The feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember that it is, that it is the memorial of the death and passion of our Lord, also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with the Lord. Before we continue, Um, I'm going to bring out the elements here. And I want to ask you to do something a little different today. I would ask that you would come up on your own accord. And I will play some music as we... Uh, partake, And we will, once everybody returns to their seats, take the bread and the juice together. But as you want to, come on up and get the elements and return to your seat. If you want to participate in communion today. You can do so now. So, go ahead. Very important we recognize the sacrifice that was poured out for us. Your sin, my sin, the sins of the whole world on a cross. That our Savior, the Son of God, was beaten and broken and hung in disgrace to pay for your sin and for mine. And as we partake in these elements today, as I've talked to kids when we've done communion, I, I just want to remind you, this isn't snack time. <laughs> this is serious. With the lighthearted music, apparently in the background, sorry about that. But, the the amazing, amazing sacrifice that Jesus has done for us. Let us pray. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, who of thy tender mercy gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, hear us. We humbly ask and come to you today. Grant that we receive these bread and juice according to your holy institution by Jesus, the Savior, your Son, in remembrance of his passion and death, that we may be partakers and benefits of his atoning sacrifice. We are reminded that in the same night that our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body. This is my body. That was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Holy Father may we come before you in true humility and faith as we partake in this holy sacrament through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. My friend, drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Jesus, we come to you today and say thank you Thank you for providing a way. Thank you for your ultimate humility and the pattern that we see in Isaiah's life, in this moment in time, and throughout your life, Lord, and how you lived before us, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. It's not just something we can send a a nice little thank you note and pass it off to you, God. We need to live a life of thankfulness to you. And so, Jesus, when we are confronted with temptation, we will trust in you to help us to say no. Holy Spirit, we are trusting in you to be empowering us, Lord. And as we connect closer and closer to you and getting closer in your word and your people and your teaching, it transforms the way we see the world. We see it with eyes, not with disgust, but with sorrow for the lost nature of those around us. And I pray that just as we are partaking today of these elements, we will see the lost as future found. We will see those who are so far away from you, Jesus, with eyes of compassion and love and mercy. And we will, when you call upon us, we will go for you, Father. Even if hearts are hardened and become calloused instead of change and repent, we will still speak your name, Jesus, boldly, openly, not sheepishly. We will bring it before the world and say, Jesus loves you, and he died for you. And we celebrate that today because he died for us as well. Thank you, Jesus, for that message that you can give to us. Help us to not back away from the opportunities that you provide. Bless us this day. Give us a wonderful afternoon in your presence and a week as well. In your name we pray, amen.